are locked into the Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome in Eagles fans across the globe. It's Louis DiBiase alongside Gino Camilleri. This is the Lockdown Eagles podcast. As always, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We are joining you here on a Tuesday edition of the show. Make sure you're subscribed on any podcast platform. Tell Siri or Alexa to play Lockdown Eagles, and you'll get four to six podcasts into your phone a week. Or you can check them out, as always, on LockdownEagles.com. I posted an early Monday edition of the show yesterday, recapping the Eagles' 17-10 to loss on Sunday. But now that we got Gino here on this Tuesday edition of the show, we're going to get into stock up, stock down later on. We'll get into some injury updates here in segment one, which is brought to you today by DoorDash. Ladies and gentlemen, treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go, if you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from LOCKEDON at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Gino, didn't get your initial thoughts on the game yesterday. Had to post a a wild one on an overnight schedule. So we're going to get into, look, again, the, the, the problems with the offense on Sunday. We'll get into Carson Wentz and all that. But your initial thoughts just, look, <laughs> going on Twitter Monday and today, Disaster. You, would, you would think that, the Eagles are two and instead of five and five, they're two and eight. That instead of having Carson Wentz, it's Mitchell Trubisky. I'm sorry, like fans, I love the passion of Eagles fans, but good lord, the overreactions the past two days have been nuts. Let's get into the fact that before this game, nobody had an ounce of confidence. Yet we are coming I out of this you that game right before the game. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, I absolutely. don't feel it. I, I, I had a little bit more confidence. I always usually yeah. do when eleven is on the field, but it is New England. It is Belichick. It is Brady. But the the thing was, I think the defense did a great job against Tom Brady. Best performance I think of that, the year. Best performance of the year. I mean, they took literally everything we said for the defense to do. Take that Super Bowl game plan, throw it out the window. How they many did. times were they playing off coverage that game? Not much. Maybe not a many plays. at all. Yeah. They they allowed Tom Brady to not throw a single touchdown pass. Any Any day of the week, you're winning that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do we, what are we even talking about? But we get into it, and as an analytic and myself, somebody who has uh, an accounting degree, I always like to go about root cause of analysis of why the offensive is bad. As you should. So As we should. As any good person in business and sports, you should always look down, not just at, not just at a 30,000-foot level, but you should always get to the root of the issue. And ultimately, my belief, and I want to go back and, and chart this out, is that Wentz didn't have as bad of a game as we thought. The sacks that he took, outside of that one that Big V just got whooped up on, mm. yes, there could be discussion that he could get the ball out sooner. But I want to chart this out and see how many times Wentz either double-clutched or took the ball down and didn't hit his first read when it was either to not Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard. The first fumble actually was that exact thing you're describing. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of discussion about why aren't these receivers making plays? Why is Carson holding on to the ball too long? 
a lot of that correlation is one because guys can't gain separation. His skill, his skill weapons in that game were terrible. Even though Zach Ertz had a really good game and they were doubling him for a good amount of the game, still created windows to throw in. Dallas Goddard still did, but the guys that didn't, like Nelson Aguilar, like Matt Collins, even JJ created a little bit of separation. We get back to it and we go back to these bad games that Wentz had. We look back. I want to start even last year against the Colts. I, I would say that that was one of his worst games that we've seen in quite some time. Yes, he was coming back off of that injury, but he didn't have his number one receiver. He had a Josh Perkins-led offense at that point in time. That was a bad game. You look back to the Atlanta game this year. Elshon Jeffries hurt. Dells Goddard's hurt. Deshaun Jackson goes out on the f- first four plays of the game or whatever it is he has another bad game he goes into this game look he doesn't have Elshon there again he doesn't have Deshaun Jordan Howard's out he can't lean on those guys that he relies on and the guys that he did rely on had 12 receptions Dallas Mm -hmm. Goddard and Zach Ertz had 12 receptions the two guys that he could trust on offense he started to trust JJ a little bit more as the game went on when he was on the field but I, I don't blame Wentz, and that's why I want to go back and look at this, is how many times didn't he trust his receivers to make plays? There was multiple because, times where he even had guys open like 20 yards down the field, but those players did not deserve, honestly, his trust. So instead, and he would don't. drop his eyes and try to run. So there would be like an eight-yard pickup, but he probably did have Nelson Aguilar over the middle. But then, mm-hmm. when you have the five, I rewatched the game yesterday, Gino, and Look, initially, after the game on Sunday and yesterday, I thought, yeah, this was a brutal performance from Wentz. Look, and he wasn't sharp. There was a lot of inaccurate throws, especially in the clutch. That final drive, those were three terrible misses in a row. And sometimes the play was just dead, and he tried to make more of it. But at the same time, first of all, nobody was open almost 95% of the time. And I counted at least five to seven drops where Carson Wentz made some incredible throws to Jordan Matthews on the right sideline twice. Dallas got it over the middle. He put it perfectly over a defender's shoulders. And they just dropped the football. Nobody was making plays for him. So you can say, yeah, he needs to hold on to it. Not as long. But for me, that was the only way they were making plays in that game. And it ended up paying off a lot of the time. Completion percentage was 50%. But... If you if you get rid of those drops, you know, it was back in the 60s. This was not the disastrous Cincinnati Bengals-like game of 2016 that people are making it seem for Carson Wentz. And let's always contextualize everything like you should. People don't like context when you talk about Carson Wentz. No, they call us it, Carson it, Wentz it, it apologists. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I exactly. Yes, exactly. And we have good reason. And th- I love that I was able to have the opportunity to go through the scouting academy because I look at football in such a different lens now. Yes, I look at what negative can bring, and anybody can do that. Anybody can pinpoint a negative in a guy. And the reason I'm so hard on Nelson Aguilar is because we saw the bright spots, and we don't see anything past that. The reason I see so much greatness in Wentz is because of that throw to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside when he had to do the scramble drill, when nobody was getting anything done, just moves outside the pocket, gets a first down 29 yards, or that throw to Zach Ertz. Oh, that was an impossible window. (laughs) Lou, that made me tingle on the inside. That was a (laughs) special throw. And the balls he put up to Nelson Aguilar, the first one that should have been a touchdown was a beautiful touch pass to the back of the end zone, and he just had zero self-awareness to put his two feet in bounds. And then I would love to know what the next-gen stats completion percentage would be on that one to the back of the end zone again that he threw up to Aguilar. He put that ball in the air 30 yards before Aguilar even made contact with it on a blitz. That throw is so hard to make, and none of these quarterbacks 
are making that throw beside maybe five, six guys. Like Russell Wilson for sure, Lamar Jackson in his MVP year, even Dak Prescott's been making some wow throws this year. You have to give him hats off. Wentz, if he had somebody to make these plays, if you contextualize what happened in Atlanta, if you contextualize what happened in Detroit, if you contextualize what happened yet uh, on Sunday against New England, if guys stepped up for Carson Wentz when Carson Wentz made the plays, they would have won that game. But yes, he did make bad plays. I, I, you can't fault him at that, but a lot of it has to go into what's around him. It, it's just not on Carson Wentz wanting to hold on to the football too long. You look at 2017, what was the best part of their offense? When they got into a rhythm, when they got humming, when they did a little bit of up-tempo, they just they succeeded at those mesh-sit wheels. I mean, they succeeded at just scheming guys open, and nobody can get open, and Wentz is just fo- pressing and... He doesn't have to, but at the same time, he does. Because when Lane Johnson goes out and you're getting no push on the right side of the line and you're down to Boston Scott having to run the football because Miles Sanders is in the tent, of course Wentz is going to take it upon himself. That's who he is as a player. Well, that's what you want him to be, Gino. That's why we wanted him over Jared Goff. And also, again, I'm not going to give him a pass. There were times that the play was dead and he took a bad sack for sure. That one fumble, you got to get the ball Yeah, you have to get the ball Or uh, with 22 seconds left in the first half, the low snap, and he picks it up and tries Mm -hmm. to run forward instead of just chucking it out of bounds. bounds. There were times, Carson Wentz has always liked to extend plays more than most quarterbacks, but it won't ever be to the extreme that it was against New England. He had to hold on to the football football, what was it, averaging like 3.82 seconds uh, per drop back. He had to do that if they were going to have any chance at making plays, and it ended up paying off in that fourth quarter drive. You can hate on him for the three misses. It would have set up for a way easier look to tie that football game. But when push comes to shove, Gino, I said it yesterday on the show, there was going to have to be a touchdown pass made. On that drive, regardless of how you got there, made. even if you com- yeah exactly, even if you completed those throws, like those were ingredients to get to that final recipe. The it main part of it was there. having the same discussion. Exactly, like, it's made, just somebody has to make a freaking yeah, play when he time. needed to make the play. You were going to have to make the play. Carson Wentz did it. The circumstance was tougher than it needed to be, but regardless. When he needed to make the touchdown throw, he was going to have to make. He did it, and it was Nelson Aguilar that came off small. Say I'm um, Scout X, scouting Carson Wentz out of North Dakota State, and he makes that throw mm-hmm. with blitz pressure on fourth and ten. That checks the box of one In mental wind, processing. Knowing where you are on the field, having to get a touchdown at that point in time, to the overall goal and compete level of the player to sit in there and take that th- take that hit and then just the touch and the overall accuracy of that throw look at that ball russell wilson threw a couple weeks ago to tyler lockett that was five yards outside of the end zone and makes mm-hmm. the catcher amari amari cooper what he did to us a couple weeks ago Dak prescott throws a beautiful ball three yards out of bounds and he makes a play the eagles haven't had one single guy since when since when lou make a play like that deshaun jackson week yeah, one it's, it's been since week it's one insane. and that's the thing and, you can judge Wentz all you want, but take away the good in the bad. Like, see that. Just to put that in a vacuum and say, yes, Wentz completed 50% of his passes. That's awful. He had a fumble. Yes, that was awful. He missed throws on that late in the game. Yes, that was awful. But at the same time, when push came to shove and he was he down enough. to... Against, by the way, Gino, 
a top two defense in the league with you can't you can't just say it's no an excuse to use those good weapons against that team. Besides, yeah. besides the MVP esque Lamar Jackson, the fact that he it, almost won that game for them against that defense with those weapons. Again, you can blame him for a lot of reasons they lost that football game, but I am not going to be on the wrong side of history again like a lot of Eagles fans were with Donovan McNabb here. And if you watch that game and you think number 11 was the problem with that offense, then I guess we're just going to be disagreeing for maybe his entire career. Because even, Gino, you said, what, his DVOA went up by two points his after DVOA the game? DVOA went up this last – I think it's either four to five yeah. points that went up this week. The overall offense's DVOA went up this week, even when he had a terrible supporting cast around him, even when the – the uh, offensive line couldn't get going, and you went against one of the best teams in the entire NFL. Teams do not move the football in the air against the New England Patriots with their best players on the field. The Bills couldn't do it with John Brown, who's one of the best field-stretching wide receivers this season. The Eagles sure as hell couldn't do it with Nelson Aguilar and that crew of characters. I don't think people... I don't think people understand how little separation... Like, I watched every offensive play back yesterday, probably like two times. I don't think people understand just how unopened these wide receivers were, Gino. Like, he was fitting some of these balls, even the ones that were dropped, in impossible windows mm-hmm. because there wasn't a single guy creating separation. So, yeah, look, we'll, we'll get into it again with stock up, stock the, down. We'll, the play we'll, design sure we'll is so it. sad. It, it's just so predictable and... I mean, if you can't do the tight end screen, if you can't successfully scheme Zach Ertz open 15 times a game, mm-hmm. they might not have scored a point. Yeah, exactly. So Carson Wentz, I think he was part of the problem in that game, but going back and rewatching it yesterday, taking a deep breath after the game and actually evaluating it, using context, looking at the wide receivers, looking at that defense, it was nowhere near the other career low games Carson Wentz has had that a lot of the national media and the local media right now and fans are making it out to be. But we'll get into it again. We're going to touch on Carson Wentz, I'm sure, later on, and we're going to do stock up, stock down here in segments two and three. We'll get into that defensive performance that was, again, one of the best I've seen with Jim Schwartz as the Eagles defensive coordinator. But before we take a quick break, uh, Gino, Doug Peterson met with the media today and gave kind of an update, not really, on running back Jordan Howard and wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey, also right tackle Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson is in concussion protocol right now, so you know got to go through that five-step process uh, this week. So we'll see if he ends up playing against Seattle. If not, I think you would agree, please use Andre Dillard at right tackle. For me, it's got to be talent over fit at that spot. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And Andre Dillard, he was the better of the two lesser tackles in that game. And, man, I'm just so ready for JP to hang it up because that Sad. kills I hate it, I hate seeing him have to keep coming off. <laughs> it, at the same time, when Dillard is in a flow and he was playing as well as he was, why take out the hot hand? Mm-hmm. It's like getting back to their committee decisions the past couple of years at running back. Like, why are we taking out the hot hand? Dillard was getting into his own. He was playing efficiency, playing efficient. I mean, he's more athletic right now than Jason Peters. You have to keep him on the field, in my opinion. I mean, and Big V just going into a game with no game plan. We know we've yeah. seen the results, and it just and he's been playing right guard for the majority like, of the offseason. So. JP. Take the rules of Darren Sproles and just hit the IR, my man. <laughs> and then you mentioned running back here. Uh, Jordan Howard, he does not have a stinger, like Doug Peterson said two weeks yeah, ago. And no then, see, this is the problem with this sneaky style of injury information that the Eagles 
divulge. It makes Howard honestly look bad downplaying the injury. Honestly, these players should be pissed when the Eagles downplay these injuries and make them seem like, oh yeah, he'll be back in a week. He's day to day. And then we, how many times do you know if we've seen it? Like Jalen Mills last year for an entire year, we're saying, all right, what's going on with this injury? And he doesn't play for an entire year. So unless maybe they're just this bad and misdiagnosing the injuries all the time, I mean, I don't doubt that. I, I don't doubt that they don't help these players get back sooner the right way. But like this, this is the problem. Is now Jordan Howard's been out for two weeks, including a bye week to get healthier, and you call it a shoulder stinger. So that's definitely not the case with him. Hopefully, it's not super serious. But I, I was very encouraged by Miles Sanders' performance on Sunday. Jay Ajayi get a full week of practice under his belt, and I'm not really worried about the run game. And then as for Alshon Jeffrey, he still is progressing from that ankle injury. So we'll kind of see what happens on Wednesday with that first official injury report. But, you know, it's just it's getting to the point where you almost just don't listen to anything Doug – and it's not Doug Peterson's fault necessarily. I mean, he is the voice of the medical staff right now in the front office because they don't speak to the media. But, you know, you kind of just tune it out at this point because of how many injuries have just not gone the way that Peterson has said they are going. This is the Lockdown Eagles podcast, a Tuesday edition of the show. Me and Gino will get into stock up on segment two. We'll get into some of the positives from that game. Don't go anywhere. Lou DiBiase and Gino Camilleri joining you. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back in. This is the Locked On Eagles podcast. Lou DiBiase and Gino Camilleri joining you on a Tuesday edition of the show. Gino, we're going to get into some of the positives of that loss, 17-10 to to the New England Patriots. And for the most part, when I was going through it, um, you know, we, we got into Carson Wentz a lot. There were way more positives in that game from number 11 than people are giving him credit for. Uh, I didn't put him in stock up, though. Mostly, it was all the defense. I, and it was hard, you know, mm-hmm. to pick from these defensive performers because you look at up front the defensive line was dominating the secondary there were so many plays where Tom Brady just had no like Carson Wentz didn't have a lot of options he made more plays than Tom Brady this Eagles defense gave them nothing and the person I want to just mention number one right off the bat was Jalen Mills I mean Jalen Mills since he came back week seven against Dallas there's only two corners that have allowed a lower passer rating when they're targeted. Quarterbacks, when targeting Jalen Mills this year, their quarterback rating is 57.7. And I loved the way Schwartz used him last week. Mills was lining up everywhere. He was playing. There were sometimes he was the linebacker. He was following Julian Edelman inside. There was one possession where he made a great play against the run, and then following it, he didn't get beat by the double move against Edelman and batted the ball down. I mean, for me, if we're coming down to who they should re-sign next year between him and Ronald Darby, I'm going Mills. He just he had such a command back there of the defense. I, I was watching the All-22 yesterday, and I couldn't help but notice just how alert he was, how way more alert the secondary is and communicative. Since Mills and Darby took over, they're just such a way more confident bunch, and Schwartz is way more confident in switching things up with those guys, playing man coverage, press, dialing up different blitzes, different looks of formations. It just I, I was over the moon with Jalen Mills. You know, He's been kind of the butt of the... Eagles Twitter jokes for the past two years, but I don't think you can really say anything but positive about Jalen Mills. For sure, and and the great thing about this this modern age and this information age is the ability to adapt your opinion with new information, and I'll have to eat a lot of crow here. I've said a lot of bad things about Jalen Mills. Me too. He's been nothing but spectacular these last couple weeks. I mean, the first game back, he did have some couple hiccups, got beat on a couple double moves, had to knock the rust off. He's been good, and I think we've seen a more mature, a more wiser Jalen Mills. And 
they've adapted him and put him in spots that you haven't seen him. We made a great point of this in that Chicago game when he was lined up on the inside. We hadn't really seen that. They had four uh, corners on the field, and he was on the inside playing that nickel roll. He did it against New England. He played that nickel roll as well. He stepped up, man, and I agree with you. Darby is still a liability. He allowed that touchdown, just stopped running. Like He saw one wide receiver in the end zone and no other guys in his area in his zone and decided to just stop moving. Like You you should probably follow the guy that's wide open that nobody else is covering that zone. But that's a discussion for another day. I thought the pass defense played excellent. Avante Maddox, man, he, he held his own against Julian Edelman. I thought he did a great job even though he was assaulted on the field that was yeah feel so bad for that kid he just keeps getting bad breaks and bad breaks but this Eagles defense man we've been hard on him in the beginning of the season Schwartz has turned it around according to next gen stats this team is fifth in least amount of explosive plays given up in what world coming into this season did you think that that would be a statistic that they would be in the well especially considering the first you know, month and a half of the season, they were getting burned. There was like eight forty plus yard receptions, but since then, they have allowed absolutely nothing. I mean, it's it's been it is ben don't partially break, baby. Ben don't break. We were both on Team Sid and Razul over Mills and Darby, but I mean, look, Mills and Darby have really been great since they came mm-hmm. back. And also, you mentioned how they've been using four corners. I love that over three safeties because oh, you have beautiful. the versatility of Mills and Avante Maddox playing inside. Mills you kind see of how much playing that. They get to the football, yeah. dude. They're and getting you bring in Razul Douglas. Razul Douglas had a great game on Sunday too. I love the idea. Four and again, interceptions. Overall, I know. But. It really comes down to we said it in the off season. Get your more talented members of the secondary back there, regardless of what position they are. So I think Jalen Mills definitely his stock is it's been up all year, and I think it rose once again against the Patriots. I mean Super Bowl. 52 he was great against Brady and he did it once again on Sunday anybody for you that their stock is rising after that loss all right I just want you to get the theme the 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 beat of we're not going to take it in your head while I while I do this okay JJ Arcego Whiteside (laughs) JJ Arcego Whiteside yeah my man had a game he had 19 snaps, but he was the best wide receiver on the field. According to Pro Football Reference, outside of Carson Wentz, he was the number one statistically graded player. Or at, not Carson Wentz, outside of the offensive line. He was graded at a 73.9, according to Pro Football Focus, which wow. is miles above better of what Nelson Aguilar is giving you. And you said it too, Lou. You noticed it on tape. He was getting open on, on the one uh, ben Solak did a great – or sorry, not Ben Solak. Uh, I can't remember who pointed it out, but we, we saw this play on tape as well. That screen pass that they were throwing to Miles Sanders, J.J. had the middle of the field wide open mm-hmm. and just knows how to find space in a zone in those intermediate to deep areas. If you should be scheming a player that can go up and has a great ability to adjust his body and has a basketball background and can track the ball in those deep and intermediate areas of the field, it shouldn't be Nelson Aguilar. Jeez, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. That mm-hmm. He could play, man. Like We know Nelson isn't going to be on the field next year. It, he shouldn't be. He should have no, been in Philadelphia past today. I, I thought we should have cut him after that game. Hold somebody accountable. J.J. needs to be on the field. They're, they're going with youth everywhere else. I love what they did at defensive tackle. Those two kids, Rush and Huggins, man, they're showing up again. I thought everybody on the interior did well. Avery, of course. They were all over their offensive line. The secondary did great. You just get the youth everywhere. Like, put J.J. on the field. I want to see him get 10 receptions from Carson. Just 
Let him go up and make those throws. Like that throw to Jordan Matthews on the sideline, I saw J.J. make that catch at Stanford a bajillion times. Like, that is a play you run to him 10 times out of 10. A guy you just got off the street you're putting in there over him, it's just crazy to me. But when he was in there for 19 snaps, if the coaches can't recognize what he did in that game and his ability to separate against what the other receivers did, I have no trust in this coaching staff moving forward, but I, I, I know what J.J. has. And there's a reason I've been telling everybody to be patient, and you were going to be sorry that you wrote him off so early. And you saw glimpses of it, Lou. He's going to be a player. Yeah, hopefully they see that on film, that he was creating separation, and Carson Wentz maybe you know, hopes to give him more chances this Sunday because there were opportunities down the field for Ortega Whiteside. His stock is certainly up, and so is fellow second-round pick running back Miles Sanders. He is really developing Geno as a runner. He was setting up blocks beautifully against the Patriots. I, I thought like he was making him go from his freshman year to his senior year yeah. in the blink of an eye. Well, I mean, that's what happens with young players. Give them a chance on the field, and they're going to develop. That's kind of how it works, so he he was making the right reads, when to bounce things outside or upfield, and then just when to stick your foot in the ground and go. And I also thought, too, like in between the tackles, he runs way harder. He's way more physical of a runner than people give him credit for. He, at Penn State, I thought one of the main things that I liked about him coming out even after one year of starting, was his contact balance. And I don't think you're always necessarily going to need that quote-unquote power back. Everybody's saying, oh, they're going to miss Jordan Howard because he's not, you know, he's that one-cut runner downfield and you need a guy like him or Jay Ajayi. But eventually, if Miles Sanders looks the way he has the past month, he's going to take over this backfield in a matter of time. And I wish they gave him more opportunities in the second half. He only had four touches. I'm not sure if it was because of the injury or whatnot, but Sanders going forward needs to be a focal point of this offense, especially considering now you know he's your only source of explosive playmaking when it comes to speed because Nelson Aguilar, like you said, you know, if Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson were hurt, weren't hurt, I would say they cut him, but they're going to keep him just based on necessity. So, yeah, it really needs to be the Sanders show uh, moving forward. So I would say his stock is up as well. Anybody for you on the defensive side of the ball? We got Mills, Arthega, Whiteside, Sanders. I mean, there's a lot to choose from on defense. I mean, I just I was going to say the pass defense overall, and just yeah, I, right. I got I got to say stock up Jim Schwartz. We we hounded him, hounded him, hounded him to make adjustments. He's he done did. it the past three weeks. He, he really did. has. He's letting his guys play the football that they need to play. Rasul Douglas needs to be at the line getting his hands on wide receivers. Jalen Mills, the same thing. Those guys don't have the long speed to keep up with them, but they have the physicality to work them off of their line, get mm-hmm. them off of their stem, get them from getting into their route and into Bypass their back pocket. More time. Yes, exactly, and you see the pressure getting there. They were all over Brady. Brady, was he was PO'd after that game. He said it. He said he was tired. He said he was tired of throwing. He said he was tired of running. They had him on the move, and that's what, if you were to go back and look at a game plan of one game that a defense looked very good outside of that Ravens game, let me see if you could guess it, Lou. Which team looked best against the Patriots on defense this year? Buffalo. Buffalo, exactly, and what did they do? They got to him in the interior, and they were able to cover on the back end, something that Buffalo's done great all year long, and they kept him with, what, under 20 points, if I'm not mistaken? Yep. They were very close. If Josh Allen doesn't go out, who knows if they beat them? It's a winnable team if you do those two things, and we saw it. We held the Patriots to 17 points, and Tom Brady didn't throw for a touchdown. That's crazy. Yeah, it was a... That's a crazy statistic to even just read on paper and then contextualize how many punts the Eagles' offense had and how often their defense was on the field. It was... That's... That is one of the best overall team defensive performances I have seen from a Jim Schwartz unit in 
what Atlanta in the NFC divisional yeah, match or the, the wild card? One. Yeah, for probably. sure. Probably because because you can also you can bring up the ones against teams like the Jets, but I mean that's Luke Falk. Like, yeah, this no, one I'm was against, against like high quality. Yeah, opponents. Absolutely. absolutely. This one was against Tom Brady. We were nervous. We were saying, yeah, they've adjusted and they were great against you know Josh Allen and Mitchell Trubisky. But here comes Tom Brady to town. Last time he played them, he threw for over five hundred yards, but they stepped up, and that's why you know choosing stock ups here it was tough because the secondary. I could have said we did say Mills. You know, you did say Jim Schwartz. We could have said Malcolm Jenkins, Rodney McLeod was one of the highest PFF graded Eagles after this week. Up front, like Vinny Curry was wrecking the His left tackle game all game. He was, in the Eagles he was, he was everywhere. Brandon Graham was elite against the Patriots. So was Fletcher Cox. Derek Barnett honestly should have had two sacks. But I think the last guy I'll say for stock up was honestly, it was a linebacker. Camus Gurdjieff Hill, Gino oh. single oh, you, You're lucky that you said that. <laughs> if you didn't say the other linebacker's name, oh, you're gonna say, we, I, I would have quit say. the show as soon as you said <laughs> that. I'll, look, I'll give Nate Gary some props. Like He did have a sack and he, he made some nice plays but he was also the reason that the Patriots scored the lone touchdown they did. So it was Camus. He single-handedly put a stop to the Pats' screen game. I mean, he made Bench three game, huge baby. plays just crashing through blocks to the ball. I think, honestly, even Nigel Bradham, when he's healthy, Gino, I think Camus your best linebacker. For sure. He could do everything. He, he's an athlete. And, and he's, he's big. He's not he's like Nate Geary's athletic, but he's, he's, he's a safety size, you know? He, he's athletic, and he can read a defense – before the play starts. And then, then his after. arms are butter. They just you know. <laughs> then, then after that, everything goes downhill. But yeah, Camus offers you a lot more versatility. And if I want to see them continue to play this way where they have those four cornerbacks on the field while you allow Jenkins and McLeod to do whatever they need to do. And just we talked about this chess game and I, I felt like they played a hell of a game of chess against Bill Belichick's offense. I think they did a very good job. And you're going to have to just continue to do that. And the best way you're going to do that is to have your best players on the field, one of which is not Nate Geary, so get him off, keep Camus and Bradham on the field. I think you have a heck of a two a duo there to make some pretty big yeah. plays. Camus will be he'll be your weak side guy making all those stretch tackles that you need, and then Bradham, if he can get back to form and get back to what we saw him against Carolina in twenty seventeen and some games we saw last year and just some lone performances this year, you're gonna be fine. Uh, that defense it's not a concern anymore. It's just how can this offense get back on track? And we'll get into the offense coming up next because we're going to do stock down, and it's hard to find a lot of negatives in that defensive Story performance. Yeah, so we'll get into the offense coming up next. This is the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Lou DiBiase and Gino Camilleri wrapping up a Tuesday edition of the show next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, Eagles fans across the globe, wherever and whenever you're listening, we do always appreciate you tuning in to the Lockdown Eagles podcast. I'm Lou DiBiase alongside my co-host Gino Camilleri. We are getting into stock up, stock down a week Man, we're already into week 12 now, edition of the show. Putting one last look, a finishing touch on the Eagles, 17-10 to loss to the New England Patriots on Sunday, and then tomorrow we will move over to Seattle week against the 8-2 and Russell Wilson-led Seahawks. We'll get into that tomorrow, but Gino, we got to get into stock down now, and segment one, you know, we hit on Carson Wentz, you talked a lot about the, you know, game plan on the offensive side when it comes to the coaching staff, how they've coached up these wide receivers, and, you know, so on and so forth, and I think that's, you know, the main theme of stock down is this really just, again, there's not one player you can really blame on the offense. Overall, it was just a a really bad performance, and I just, I want to start with, again, the passing targets. I, I can't 
stress enough how unopen these wide receivers were for Carson Wentz. And a lot of it was on the coaching staff. But there's times, Gino, like tell me if I'm wrong, but this game reminded me a lot of the 2017 AFC title game where the Jacksonville Jaguars had a great defensive performance. Mm -hmm. And they got off to like a 14-point lead against the Patriots. And then in the second half, Bill Belichick has time to adjust. And it seemed like Nathaniel Hackett, the Jaguars' offensive coordinator, just didn't have any more tricks up his sleeve, much like Doug Peterson in this game. Screen plays, you know, moving Sanders across the formation, uh, running the ball. You know, you have a 11-play, you know, 10-minute drive to score a touchdown. But eventually, against this team with the Patriots personnel and the coaching staff, you, you sometimes you're just going to – you can't out-trick them for long. You're going to need to simply out-execute them like you did in the Super Bowl. And I feel like that was what needed to happen in the second half, and just none of these wide receivers can make a play for Carson Wentz. So their stock is as low as it can be. For sure. And, yeah, we we didn't mention that. that I, I, I think I sent you the tweet that the Eagles, led by Carson Wentz, led a 95-yard drive against New England and their first-ranked defense – which was the longest drive allowed on a New England Patriots defense since 2011. You want context to how good Carson Wentz is and what he can do? That's your context right there. But what the guys around him can't do is bring in simple receptions, Lou. And part of this stock down I'm going to add on is hands. Hands in general. Nobody on this team can catch. It just, yeah, we talk about speed, but hands can't too, catch, man. We just linebackers need to catch. can't catch. Wide receivers can't catch. Tight ends can't catch. Yeah. Who can? Carson Wentz? Let's see. I mean, Miles Sanders is about the only one that can catch on this team. I mean, it's it's Even Dale Scottard is dropping footballs. He had like three bad, out-of-character mm-hmm. drops again. I mean, him and Elshon Jeffrey this year, two guys that you're more sure-handed wide receivers, and, you know, got her a tight end, of course, but, like, there was, again, a play in that second half in the fourth quarter where Wentz puts it perfectly over. It's a, it's a mismatch, one-on-one, Goddard versus a linebacker, you know, 20 to 30 yards down the field. Wentz puts it perfectly right into Goddard's hands, and he just he drops the football. So, me and you talk all the time about, let's go get Henry Ruggs in the draft, right? Like, we need speed with Deshaun Jackson, because Deshaun Jackson keeps getting hurt, and he's going to be 32 in December. But, we also just need players that can create separation with route running and be able to catch tough. I mean, there was two plays to, to Jordan Matthews on the right sideline. Really tough plays to make if you're a wide receiver. But I saw Mike Williams with the Chargers yesterday make that play like five different times. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't wait till you have a player that is sure-handed and athletic enough to make that play along the sideline. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, look around the NFL and how many times you're like, wow, that was an insane it's catch. It's frustrating to watch. Everybody and how many of those have times have you said, wow, that was an insane catch while watching the Philadelphia I don't think Eagles. once this year, right? I mean, is there one I, I time you can think I, of a I guy making a play for Wentz? Who, who posed, I think that was Jimmy Kemsky posed that question of the Inquirer and said, when is the last time an Eagles player has made a wow catch? It probably was Alshon last year against like yeah. Houston, right? With that third and uh, thirteen conversion on the final drive, it hasn't been this year. It hasn't been this year. Did you see the catch that Debo made? I did. <sighs> Don't uh, Nelson Stop bringing up these second had... round receivers. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar probably wet himself even watching that. You know what and else just... I watched? I watched John Brown make those plays like a hundred times against the Dolphins yesterday. Oh, and who Bills. who is supporter number one of signing John yeah, Brown? We, we were a big. You were especially, but we were a big pro John Brown podcast in March. Who's currently making $9 million with a quarterback who has not completed a pass That's half a million until less than Aguilar, last Sunday over 20 yards. Imagine him with Carson Wentz. Oh, yeah. It would be beautiful. And we talk about 
needing wide receivers, and man, this is the class to do it. And I'm I'm getting goosebumps right now, even thinking of us going through those mock drafts and doing locked on the mock because you talk about a historic draft class in a class that if you need a wide receiver, which the Eagles need many, I legitimately would draft as many as you possibly could because you haven't had much success signing them off the street. Look at Mike Wallace. Look at what Torrey Smith. I mean, you haven't had you haven't found a guy that has been able to stick. You haven't been able to develop anybody. You're not going to need much development if you draft a guy like C.D. Lamb or, Hen- or uh, Henry Ruggs, or you're drafting guys like Brandon Ayuk or LaVisca Chanu. There are Devonta so many Smith. guys. Oh, dude, we're, we're going to talk more about this. But we will, yeah. We talked about building a, a like a basketball team at wide receiver. You have your guy that can go up and get it in J.J. and Alshon. We just don't have those Russell Westbrook and James Harden guys that are going to go and make a flash play, make a Tyreek Hill-esque play make a Nicole Hardman-esque play. I'm sorry to bring up second-round wide receivers again, but it, <laughs> but it's what it is, and yeah, we just right. need guys that can make plays. J.J. isn't that guy. J.J. was to be the replacement to Elshon Jeffrey, which we know, but you didn't draft somebody that can replace Nelson Aguilar, somebody who hasn't had a very good season since 2017 and who's going to be a free agent. So... A lot of that is in part to development. A lot of that is in part to Howie Roseman. But this year, I mean, if we don't make the playoffs, I won't be too upset at the potential that we could get a game-changing wide receiver earlier in the in the draft in the first round. But, man, there are so many that it's going to be great next year when we, all these worries are behind us and hopefully nobody's dropping passes and hopefully mm-hmm. guys can create. I mean, when your guy who you have to depend on for run after the catch is Zach Ertz, things are bad. Things are yeah. very bad. And look, they're going to need at least, even if you bring back both Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson next year, you're going to need someone to replace Nelson Aguilar inside. Even with Arthega Whiteside there, you need at least one more speed guy. You're going to probably need two because Alshon Jeffrey now going on 30 years old, Deshaun Jackson 32, both with high cap hits too. So, I mean, give it maybe another year or two with those guys, and then it's going to have to be a new era of wide receivers for the Philadelphia Eagles. And right now, for sure, that position is stocked down. Stock down, stock down, stock down at wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Eagles. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and any provider to get four to six shows downloaded into your phone a week. And we're always uh, posting them on LockedOnEagles.com. And the conversation always continues on Twitter. Follow us at LockedOnBirds, at DiBiaseLOE, and at Gino underscore LOE. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.